Good morning once again to all of you and happy Mother's Day. Would you raise your hand if you either are a mother or you have one? <laughs> so happy Mother's Day to you all. Uh, this morning is our sixth Sunday in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you were with us last Sunday, we heard then in light of the resurrection what God's word has to say to us about our bodies here and now. This word is for every single one of us, every boy and girl, every man and woman, made in God's image. Here's what we heard last week from God's word. You are a seed planted by God. You have a body given to you by God. And you have a glory given by God. So good news for the believer. Jesus died for you, Jesus rose for you, and Jesus ascended with flesh on him into heaven for you, where he now intercedes for you, body and soul. You and everything about you, who you are, what you look like, how you're made, matters to God because it can all be traced back to God. He created you, he designed you, and he sent his son to redeem you. And everything about you also matters to God because it all returns to God one day. Your soul will return to him immediately when you die, and your body will also return to him one day when it's resurrected from the earth. What hope we have in Christ and what hope we have only in Christ of redemption from death and redemption to life in Christ. Redemption is not only being saved from our sins. Yes, it is. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Redemption is also being redeemed to life in Christ, our souls and our bodies, both. Psalm 116 verses eight and nine say it well. You have delivered my soul from death. That's spiritual. You've delivered my soul from death, but it's also physical. My eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord. Say it with me. In the land of the living. God in Christ has delivered your soul from death and God in Christ has delivered your body from death. Your eyes from tears, your feet from stumbling one day. So here's God's promise for the believer. You will walk before the Lord in the land of the living with resurrected feet in the hope of our bodily resurrection, what God does is he puts skin on his promises. All of God's promises, salvation, deliverance, redemption, healing, forgiveness, and I could go on. These invisible promises of spiritual realities are made visible to us, visible in Jesus' resurrected body and in our resurrected body. The resurrection matters. Again, not only Jesus' resurrection, but ours, yours and mine, because God's promises matter. And God shows us and he proves to us that his promises matter by insisting that our matter matters 
and by insisting that he is going to display all of his promises to us in the way he resurrects our matter. Now, last Sunday morning, I taught on this about the resurrection body here and now, how these bodies and the way God made them, the way God chose them, living under the effects of the fall, under the curse of sin, how these bodies serve us as living and dying reminders of the resurrection. That was Sunday morning, and then came Sunday afternoon. I got a text last Sunday afternoon from a wonderful lady, member of this congregation, Margie Harper, telling me that her husband, David, David Harper, who had served as rector of Church of the Apostles, Fairfax, from 1986 to 2012, had just died and had gone home to be with Jesus. After a few hours had passed, I gathered with Margie and a few of her family members, and we circled around David's body to pray. And there was grief in that room. And there was weeping in that room as we literally looked face, uh, looked death face to face. But there was hope in that room. And there was peace. And there was comfort in that room. And that was only because of Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, his death and resurrection, there would have been no hope in that room that day. But thanks be to God for the light and the certain hope of the resurrection that proclaimed to us, David Harper is now, right now, with Christ. David Harper beholds Jesus face to face right now. Yes, we grieve, but we grieve with hope that David's body, which had come to the end of its life and which will soon be buried, will one day rise again. And I read two verses that afternoon from David's Bible, which was sitting on his nightstand. Two verses that I referenced last week from 1 Thessalonians 4, starting at verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And it's the resurrected body of Jesus on Easter that proclaims that hope to us, that living hope. He proclaims to our bodies here and now a certain hope of our bodies there and then when Christ returns, when death is dead, when the last enemy to be destroyed is destroyed, and when every last one of God's promises is fulfilled. Today, that's what we read about. God's promise. God's promise for the believer about our resurrection bodies. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 through 49. And the first promise is that our body will be a new body. Look with me at verses 42 through 44. Paul writes, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. And just a reminder where he was last week in his thought was how our bodies have been given a glory by God. The stars have glory, the heavenly bodies have glory. And now he's saying, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. 
What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, and we're all living proof this morning that there is a natural body, then there is also a spiritual body. So if I had a whiteboard up here today, I could help us visualize God's promises for our new bodies by putting up two columns. And then this first column is our our bodies now. And we know these bodies well. We've been living in them our whole life. These bodies perish. They die. They are marked by dishonor, Paul says. They are marked by weakness. And they are natural bodies, meaning that these bodies are limited in their capacity and in their abilities and in their lifespan. That's one column. Our bodies here and now. But there's another column, promise for the believer of our bodies there and then. Paul tells us they will be imperishable. They will never die. They'll be marked by glory, raised in power. And they'll be spiritual bodies. And that doesn't mean they won't be physical bodies. They will be physical bodies. But when Paul says they'll be spiritual bodies, what he means is they won't any longer have any natural limitations. Everything about our new bodies, their abilities, their capacities, their faculties, will not operate according to the same rules of nature that our bodies have to obey right now. That's a natural body. One day our bodies will operate according to a whole new set of rules, the rule of the spirit, and that's a spiritual body. That's the other column. Our bodies there and then. So then let me put my Captain Obvious hat on for a moment and just say this. Our resurrection bodies are going to be a huge upgrade (laughs) in every way. Earlier in this letter, chapter 2, verse 9, Paul reminded believers that no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine how much of an upgrade our resurrection bodies will be. No more dying. No more weakness. No more disease. No more Alzheimer's. No more sin. No more temptation. No more addiction. God promises believers resurrection bodies that have continuity with your old body, right now your current body, but are also brand new bodies. And God accomplishes this miracle in the act of raising them. We can see this in these three verses right here, verses 42, 43, and 44. The first word that jumps out at us, since it's repeated so often, is the word sown. Paul says it's sown perishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's sown in weakness. It's sown a natural body. We're sown into a fallen world, every single one of us in any sorts of ways into a broken family, in different sorts of ways into addictive patterns, into strongholds of sin. But the resurrection reverses all of that. And the act of the resurrection in the twinkling of an eye, according to the same power that said, let there be light, and according to the same power that said, Lazarus, come out, Jesus Christ is going to one day say to your lifeless, 
decomposed, dead body, come alive. And you're going to rise up out of your grave just like that. That's the second word that jumps out at us. It's the word raised. You see it here with me. It's raised imperishable. It's raised in glory. Raised in power. Raised, again, a spiritual body. Forever with Christ. Never to die again. Never to experience weakness or sickness again. With a soul delivered from death. And with eyes delivered from tears. And feet delivered from stumbling. Made to walk, literally walk, in the land of the living. The resurrection body will be a new body. It will also have a new nature. Verses 45 through 47 speak to this. A new nature. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. So you'll remember from a few weeks ago in verses 21 and 22, Paul first introduced this shockwave of the resurrection of Jesus as the second Adam, the perfect Adam. The first Adam that we meet in Genesis first enjoyed a new creation, but then he destroyed it by his sin. And then in Christ, he is our second Adam. He begins a new creation by destroying sin. That's what happened on Easter. Jesus begins a new creation. And that's why Paul jumps back here to this idea of Jesus as the second Adam. What he wants to do is ground the promise of our resurrected bodies in something. Ground the promise of our resurrected bodies in Christ. He says the first Adam had no power to create anything. All he could do was name things, but he couldn't create anything. He says the first Adam became a living being. Adam had to have breath breathed into him in order to become alive. But the last Adam, Paul says, Jesus begins to make all things new. So Paul means by saying he became a life-giving spirit. Let's not twist this into some kind of heresy that says that Jesus at this point kind of attained Godship or became God at some point in his earthly life. No, he was always God. Paul is saying he became a life-giving spirit, meaning he began upon his resurrection a new creation. New creation began that Easter morning. So in this column, Adam created in the beginning, and in this column, Jesus creator of a new beginning. And God makes his point. God wants to prove that he keeps his promises about this new creation. God says to us in Christ and with the exclamation mark of the resurrection, yes, your body is going to run its natural course, which began in Genesis 3, but then your body is going to be made just like it was meant to be made in Genesis 1 and 2. The resurrection promises a new nature for your body. It's a nature that goes back to the beginning. Our bodies are going to go back to the beginning, back to Genesis 1 and 2, before the fall, before death, before disease, before decay. Our bodies are going to go back to before sin, before pain, before cancer. We're going to have a new nature 
our souls set free from a sinful nature, and our bodies too. Right now, we're living in Genesis 3 bodies. If you were to find a barcode somewhere within your body, what's the model number? Oh, I'm a Genesis 3 model right now. It's the only time I'm ever going to be a model of anything. I'm a Genesis 3 model. One day, you're going to look at a new barcode. You're going to be a Genesis 1 model at that point. Praise God. Just imagine what your resurrected bodies will be able to do with a new nature. I think it's okay to let your imagination run with this because Paul says you can't even imagine the glorious things that God has prepared for you. We have sneak peeks of what our resurrected bodies will be able to do. We heard earlier what Jesus did in John 20. The disciples were locked away, but Jesus somehow appeared in that room. His body was no longer bound by the same natural laws. The same will be true about our resurrection bodies. Randy Alcorn, in his book, Heaven, devotes a whole chapter to this question. What will our resurrected bodies be like? He points out our bodies will still have their identities, their genders, their colors, and they will be perfect and healthy and strong. Our five senses, maybe more, will be restored to full strength. You've never experienced life in this world with your senses operating at full strength. You've never smelled the way you're gonna smell. I guess I mean that in both senses of the word. (laughs) You've never seen the way you've seen. You've never seen colors as vibrant as you've seen them before. I don't know if you've read C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle, but at the very end, he describes it so well. He says, you know, you may have been to a, a, a place where you look out at the sea directly, but across from it is a, is, a, is a mirror. And imagine you spent your whole life looking in the mirror. And what you're seeing is, is accurate, but it's a reflection of, of reality. And that in heaven, what happens is we're no longer looking at the sea, the things in, in a mirror, we're looking at them fully as they're made to be. We're gonna have resurrection bodies. We'll be able to continue to create and invent Our bodies will shine with the reflected glory of God and will be totally unburdened by any effects of the curse. And heaven's not going to be boring, by the way. We're not all going to turn into these chubby little angels, you know, sitting on clouds, playing little harps, unless you want to sit around and play the harp, in which case, help yourself. There's a whole supply of harps and clouds and whatever. But heaven's not going to be boring. We're not going to be bored out of our minds for eternity. Who would want to spend eternity in a boring place? Heaven is going to be better than anything we have ever imagined and anything we have ever experienced. More exciting, more exhilarating, more satisfying, more fulfilling than anything you have ever begun to taste in this world, on this fallen planet. All will be as it was meant to be. All of God's Invisible promises will be made visible in your resurrected body. It's like a, a wedding ring makes invisible marriage vows visible. Or like I'm sure all the good sons in this room have done today, like flowers on Mother's Day have made an invisible love visible. The ring is not the vow. The flowers are not the love The ring and the flowers make what the invisible is, it makes the invisible visible. And that's what resurrected bodies do. God has promised us perfect redemption. He has. 
perfect restoration, salvation, and he makes those promises visible to us. He makes them visible in the infant body of Jesus in the manger. He makes his promises visible to us in the crucified body of his son on the cross. He makes his promises visible to us in the ascended body of Jesus to his father's right hand. And one day he's going to make his invisible promises visible to us in our resurrected bodies too. There's such hope here, such grace, such promise in the resurrection for all of us. Just let the good news wash over you this morning, whoever you are, whatever your story is in your body. Because you may have done some really wrong things with your body or to your body in this life. Things you can't take back and you wish you could, but you can't take them back. But if you belong to Jesus, hear me, you're going to live long enough and you're going to live forever enough that you're going to see all of those wrong things completely undone. You're going to see and feel the full power of redemption in the resurrection. All of the wrong things will be made right. You can't take them back. Jesus takes them from you in the resurrection. And you may have experienced some really wrong things done to your body or in your body in this life. That abuse, that abortion, that injury, that disability, that trauma. If you belong to Jesus, you're going to live long enough and you're going to live forever enough. You're going to see all of those wrong things totally undone in the resurrection. The words of Sally Lloyd-Jones, all of the sad things will come untrue. All of them. Andrew Peterson has a song called After the Last Tear Falls. And the chorus says, and in the end, the end is oceans and oceans of love and love again. We'll see how the tears that have fallen were caught in the palm of the giver of love and the lover of all. And we'll look back on these tears as old tales. You're going to have a new nature. No more tears. Praise God. The last thing we see in verses 48 and 49, is that our resurrected bodies will bear the image of Jesus. Verse 48, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I think this gives us such context and such clarity in what we experience in this life, all of us, in these bodies here and now. Because it gives us hope and expectation for our bodies then and there. A few weeks ago, I started to notice these little bumps on my torso. I figured they were bug bites or spider bites or something. But they kept getting worse and, and more painful, and I kind of felt like a, a bum complaining about them a lot. But finally, Catherine took a picture of them. Can we put that picture up on the, on the wall, by the way? <laughs> Just kidding. 
Just kidding. Don't worry. She uh, sent a picture of him to my sister-in-law, who's a nurse, Sarah. And Sarah back and said, Jamie has shingles. Can I make a dad joke about shingles, by the way? I don't know if I should. I made this joke at 745 and no one laughed. Mike, what do you think? Should I go for it at this service or no? Is Okay. Uh, when I found out I have shingles, I hit the roof. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. There's more where that came from. But seriously, these two verses give me clarity even as I deal with a relatively minor thing like shingles. Right now, I bear the image of the man of dust. I am currently unresurrected. I will be resurrected one day. I've booked my reservation. I have my boarding pass. The departure date and time is only known to the Lord. But when I get there, I will be resurrected. I will bear the image of the man of heaven. But for now, even though my destiny and my identity is totally secured in Christ, I still live in a fallen world. I still bear the image of the man of dust on and within my body. This is the whole now and not yet conundrum. The kingdom has come, and yet the kingdom is coming. I live in Christ fully and completely, and yet I live in this fallen world. The football team has been sold. The football team is being sold. It's sort of now and, now and not yet. We cannot wait for the day of final, final restoration, amen? So it's an easy example for me to use, the uh, shingles, because they'll go away, basically already have. But there are many other more difficult, more painful examples of the way that we and you bear the image of the man of dust in this life. And I don't mean to belittle those by teasing. Uh, your physical struggles, your sickness, your mental um, struggles or addictions, your cancer, your injuries, your limitations, when you feel these things, that's the image of the man of dust. We just know what it is. It doesn't make things any easier. It doesn't take the pain away, but we now have a category for it. We know what it is. That's the image of the man of dust, and one day it will be no more, and one day we will bear the image of Jesus forever. This fills our present suffering in this life with hope just like it filled that room last Sunday afternoon for me and the Harper family, and just like it filled the room where the disciples were gathering. We heard it earlier. The disciples were afraid and locked away, the end of John chapter 20, and Jesus comes to them. Jesus draws near to them in their doubting and their disbelief, and he doesn't just appear to them as a disembodied soul. He doesn't just appear as the wind. He appears in his physical resurrected body and he shows them his wounds and his side. But Thomas, standing in for every single one of us this morning, find great comfort in Thomas. Thomas doubts. And he says he'll only believe if he can actually touch the risen Jesus. He wants to know it's real. He wants to know it's real and not a, fa a fairy tale. He wants to feel it. So what happens next the resurrected Jesus appears and doesn't berate Thomas. 
doesn't condemn Thomas. He doesn't dismiss Thomas. He comes to Thomas, full of grace and kindness. And he says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Jesus comes to you this morning. He comes to you, doubting believer. He comes to you, skeptic. He comes to you, disbeliever. He comes to you who are deconstructing. He comes to you with grace and kindness and he doesn't berate you or condemn you or dismiss you. Jesus shows his resurrected self to you just like he did with Thomas. And he invites you, doubts and all, to believe by faith. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, I'm sure with a twinkle in his eye, have you believed because you've seen me, this arm around Thomas? And then looking ahead into today, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. All of God's promises for you and for me. All of God's promises, spiritual promises that are invisible to us are made real and made visible in Jesus' resurrected body. St. Corinthians 1.20 says that all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Just say the word yes with me. Yes! Say the word amen with me. Amen. Now for you former Baptists, say amen with me. Amen. All the promises of God, every single one of them, from all 66 books of the Bible, all the promises of God find their yes and their amen and their amen in Christ, in his resurrected body. And one day, they're going to find their yes in your resurrected body too. So because of Jesus, we can know that then and there, we're going to walk in the land of the living. And because of Jesus, right here, right now, we can walk by faith. So let's pray and ask for his help. And as we pray, why don't we stand? Because then we're going to sing. So let's stand and pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, oh God, for your kindness in speaking to us through your word by your Holy Spirit this morning. And we thank you for the good news of the gospel and for the resurrection. And Lord, I pray that you would just plant it deep into our hearts. Father God, would you draw us further up? Draw us, oh God, further in further up and further in into all the promises, all the glorious things that you have prepared for all those who love you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.